everyone and welcome to episode 20 of Sequel Pitch, in which we pitch sequels to movies that don't have them. Yay! Yay! Episode 20! My name is Ross and I'm going to show you the way as the host this week. You're welcome. And joining me as ever (laughs) is the man that will always lead us back to safety. It's Drew Toynbee. Oh, hello. Thank you. Next is a man that has hair as silky as Maui. It's Matthew Rushton. Yeah, I do. (laughs) And last, but no means least, a man that has given us clones, a 50-foot rock, and zombie livers. It's our very own Maui himself, Andy Henry. Hello, hello, everyone. Oh, you could have said you're welcome then. You're welcome. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Wait, Uh, wait, let's go back and do it again. Set me up. Uh, Cool. How are you doing today, boys? Good? Very good. good. It's a hot one. It is a hot one. It's a hot one. All four of us are officially jabbed now. Yeah. 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 We are. Still feeling a little. We're now being tracked. The microchips are in. Yeah, I've got 5G, mate, now. It's pretty fast. Or 5G yeah, in you. I, am. Yeah. I, um, I've, I was compelled to throw my PlayStation out the window and immediately went out and bought an Xbox. Thanks, Bill. <laughs> Welcome to the dark side. Today, we are going to be pitching sequels to the movie The Beautiful... 2016 animation Moana. Now, in case you haven't, uh, if you've been living under a rock, uh, like Andy and Matt, uh, because, you know, they've never seen any film, um, we do a 60. (laughs) Shade, I'm throwing shade. We do a 60 60 (laughs) selection. 60 (laughs) selection. Yeah, yeah, what? Damn it. It was going so well. That's right. We pass the hosting duty to Drew or someone. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, we do a 60 second kinder synopsis in case you haven't seen it. So, here we go. Maui, a demigod, steals the mystical heart of the goddess Tafiti. The heart is a small luminescent stone which has the power to create life. Maui steals it to gift. Steals it to gift it to humanity but as he flees the island with the stone he is attacked by a lava monster Teka, causing the stone to fall from his hand and disappear into oblivion centuries later we meet moana the princess of a small island in polynesia who has a special connection with the ocean the ocean calls out to her but her family prevent her from ever venturing out beyond the reef for the fear of losing her as Moana grows up, she is told that a life of being uh, the village chieftain awaits her, but her heart is set on venturing out into the ocean. The islands around them slowly begin to fade away and fall into disrepair because of the curse caused by Maui when he stole the heart of Tafiti. Several stories and secrets are revealed to Moana by her kooky grandmother, and they convince her that she has been chosen by the ocean to find Maui and restore the heart of Tafiti. Along with her pet chicken, Hi Hi, um, uh, or Hey Hey, Hey Hey, or Hi Hi, Hi Hey Hey, hey, hey. Uh, she sets out on uh, the ocean to search for Maui. When she finds him, she realizes that he's an extremely self-censored, self-centered, self-absorbed egomaniac. 
she has to get inventive and treat him with the utmost respect in order to get him to find the lost heart of Tafiti. Maui and Moana form a special bond. She teaches him to think about others and be generous, and he takes a liking to her, teaching her how to navigate the waters and sheltering her from all the troubles along the way. When they go to replace the heart of Tafiti into... In the, into the Mother Island, the Lava Demon Takar strikes again, breaking Maui's magical hook in the battle, robbing him of all his powers. Maui loses hope, but motivates Moana to finish the task on her own, and egged on by this newfound courage, she puts her skills to the use and replaces the heart of Tafiti. The goddess Tafiti returns in full bloom, and the islands around Polynesia are rid of the curse that was causing them to perish the goddess tafiti even repairs maui's broken hook restoring his powers ah the end and there are some wicked songs yes there are some very wicked songs so boys what do we think it is a good movie very nice beautiful beautiful uh, animation especially with the water it's been a while on the water i think and it definitely definitely pales pays off the water having a life of its own was a bit weird in a good way i liked it but just like it's like when it like kind of like almost like when she was a kid and she kind of like turned her head and it did the same kind of like an emotion it was a bit weird oh yeah it was a bit like oh okay but you found that weird but not the lava monster or (laughs) (laughs) of course the the entire goddess tafiti uh, (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. um matt did you like it did you dislike it i really enjoyed it you know it's it screams Disney. Um, it's a family-friendly movie, but one that is accessible to every generation, I think. Everyone can take their own messages and morals from the story, but ultimately it's a feel-good film that creates tension but controls the tension and creates a fun vibe. The music, the songs, as Drew says, they're brilliant. Um, you know, Dwayne Johnson, once again, he appears in one of our... <laughs> movies <laughs> because he's just in everything but he, he nails ubiquitous. it ubiquitous yeah, yeah he's maui apparently through, he? they didn't want anyone else to play maui they went straight to uh the rock uh dwayne johnson and asked him if he wanted to be in the movie yeah. which is interesting Who else and i mean get? i couldn't see anyone else mm. play that role yeah um yeah he's he he is perfect it worked he he's just well and that's yeah, he he's he is larger than life. He is this big, like cheeky presence. He's got a good singing voice on him as well. Like I'm yeah. sure there's there is some post processing and some auto, some pitch correcting going on occasionally. But he does a cracking job with um. You're welcome. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. and just his general attitude and his delivery of the lines all the way through. Like when he keeps throwing Moana off the boat. And the water keeps putting him putting her back, and then he just goes, "Okay, I'm out," and just dives off. <laughs> and like when they fall down into the undersea underworld, and she sort of bounces down the cliff, oh, and he just dead. looks over and goes, <laughs> yeah. "Well, she's dead." Yeah. And and yeah. he's just, he, yeah, he's he's phenomenal. He is in, he's a sensation in this film. He's so good. What did you guys think of this story in general? Like, did you did you like it? Um, did you think it was different to like a normal princess movie? Because um, I've heard a lot of things of uh, like, you know, they didn't want to. I think the original script, they wanted her to fall in love with someone, but they chose not to. They chose her about her finding herself and mm. about navigation. Uh, what did you think? 
What did you think of it being a prin- if you think of it like that of a princess movie because she is technically mm-hmm. a princess. Well, she has that line, right? Oh, on, yes. Uh, is it 2016? I thought it was 18. Yeah, but, um, she has that line where she says, uh, "I'm not a, a princess," and then yeah. Maui says, uh, "You're your daughter of a chief and, and wear a dress or something because that makes you a princess." And, and you have a an animal sidekick. Oh, psychic. Yeah, that was it. Yeah. Um, there's um, so yeah. There's you can see. You can see this in Frozen as well, where they've made Disney have, and again, this is this is the lineage where all of the Disney princesses came from, who are prior to even including Tangled when they first went to like computer generated three D animation from from hand drawn animation. In Tangled, she does she has a bit more agency, but she does still end up with eugene at the end of that film yeah and then with frozen they were like okay yeah there is a love interest but actually hans is the baddie and yeah she is pro she's romantically linked to Kristoff, but the whole the primary relationship is between the sisters and here they've made that decision of of moana having her primary relationship be with her grandmother yeah. and i and it's Obviously, we're all we're all blokes, and so we we can't talk to lived experience of growing up with princesses wanting to get married, being being role models, which lots of younger girls kind of did, yeah. or lots of girls did as they were growing up. But it seems, I I personally feel like it's a very positive change, and I think audience numbers and box office and general sentiment towards particularly Frozen and. Moana would agree. Mm-hmm. We've talked about it yeah. a bit, and I think we've done it in some of our pictures and whatnot. You know, we're at a point where we're trying to break down gender stereotypes, especially in the the cinema industry. You know, the cinematic industry, the arts in general can sometimes film and TV can be a little bit dated. Um, and we've talked a lot about strong female protagonists, and I feel like this is absolutely. Um, I didn't know about the whole idea of having a love story uh, in earlier scripts. I'm so glad they didn't do that because, you know, why Why is that a default? It should be, you know, it doesn't matter what the gender of your protagonist is. I'm glad that it's a female protagonist because it strengthens exactly what Drew's saying. It gives young women and young people a chance to start looking at their heroes, their idols in you know new lights and in ways where it no longer becomes you know conforming to pre like pre what's the word not premonitions like a precognitive kind of yeah you know we're breaking beyond that now and i'm glad that even the likes of disney are taking opportunities to do that and whoever made the call to remove the love interest kudos to them give them a bloody pay rise because that's exactly what we should be doing we should be nurturing this idea where gender's not important where background isn't important you know people can live any life they want as long as it's legal um you know they can (laughs) they can be who they want to be and do what they want to do and movies like this that was the biggest thing I took away actually from it. I, I'm not overly fussed about the story. There's a bit hit and miss about the story, but the messages behind the story I was really buying into. Hmm. That's cool. Um, so 
what did you guys feel about sort of like the Polynesian sort of mythology that these guys used? Um, because obviously we really, I don't, we don't know much about Polynesian mythology. So we're just going on the basis of what we felt about the film. And obviously we did, you know, a few of us have probably done some research doing the sequel. Um, the the movie some people it was it was quite marmite uh a lot of polynesian people didn't like it because it wasn't very true to how they uh how they've been brought up on their their polynesian history and polynesian like um society and stuff however i like obviously i can only speak for myself and say like i really like the the fact that we're learning about a culture that I had no idea about, and and the mythology that these guys used in it are are it's a heightened version of you know it's it's just one opinion's person like of of their mythology if that makes sense. Um, what did you guys think like in terms of that in terms of like seeing another culture in this big in this big film? Yeah, one we haven't seen before. I think you know, yeah, said that. Like, as well. like you, it was, it was, yeah, it was amazing to see all this. Like, without trying to sound too naive, like all this new stuff. But um, yeah, yeah, I mean, like, talking about the like, uh, all these these stories. Um, yeah, they're kind of they're creation myths and things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, like doing the research for this for the sequel. I know there was so many different stories that kind of sometimes had the same kind of message or this or overlapped in certain things, but. Um, I think I, I think I, I read somewhere maybe, or, but I think when they were writing the story, they just kind of did get loads of different uh, Maori legends or something and kind of like put it together. Mm. Um, what's really yeah. what's really great about this movie is they uh, and Disney they 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 formed a group of uh, Pacific Islanders uh, mm. advisors and they were called the Oceanic Story Trust and these guys helped their the. The filmmakers, you know, and these range from like, um, I think there was like archaeologists, all historians, and they all helped with like to build this, like mm. to make it, you know, to make it. Well, you want to be what, as accurate, what you, accurate as, as you can. Yeah, to make it as accurate as they could do. Um, That's really cool. I, mm. I, I was going to ask Ross, like, is there, was there any information about how they made sure that it was culturally mm. sensitive and that's really cool that they do do that. I think yeah. it's right that they should have done that, but it is yeah. good to know yeah. that they did. Like to learn they've moved on and they're not just trying to write it themselves. So. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. And there's, there is this, this weird kind of, it's, it's fantastic that so, so, so many of the people on the production team were Pacific Islanders and from the area with with specific knowledge of that history and that culture that could bring it to it, there is still potentially that uncomfortable feeling of, hey, this is a giant global corporation appropriating appropriating that culture for profit. Yeah. And like having Ali Cravolo at, at, like promoting um disneyland's hawaii's new like moana themed hotel it it 
there's i i've i've seen some criticism of that kind of stuff but at least at least they have gone as far as to actually genuinely get people from that area to give input unlike with things like pocahontas yeah, yeah um, i think yeah. i think they i think disney is hard wasn't it it's always hard when a big corporation like that will do a movie about that cult, uh, a culture that nobody like yeah. mainstream doesn't know anything about uh, and um i think that is always going to be an issue i think more eyes to a culture and to bring people like a little Ex- kid to, is good but exactly I get, exactly I get why yeah, people they've got a market yeah. film and stuff and the more they kind of as bad as it sounds slap moana on a product it is gonna it is gonna sell yeah, but yeah all, exactly you know, there's it still kind of gets their name out it's say it's that but that, you know, well that yeah and hope, hopefully as far as representation goes and a and diversity and representation of people from different areas of the world that aren't just white it's hopefully it's still a net positive that this film exists and that people like us have an understanding have some even if it's kind of bastardized and not necessarily Mm. not necessarily the education that people from that area would want would want us to have but hopefully there is a positive that people like us have some understanding of it and some now awareness of that culture that we didn't before yeah i think you put it yeah i think you put it beautifully there drew um what do we think about the music i loved it yeah yeah i mean he's a lyrical genius isn't he like yeah he he really is is. Mm. i don't i I, you know you kind of know Manuel miranda certainly i would say i properly learned about him through hamilton as i'm sure so many others did yeah. But when you go back and look at In the Heights and yeah, yeah. Some, some of us and... knew In the Heights before it was all famous and cool because some of us <laughs> were into musical theatre. <laughs> <laughs> but but it's you know it's uh, when when you introduce songs and music like this to a movie, it has to be good. Otherwise, it can bury it. Like you know, we only have to look back to some of the. Uh, other musical-based films that have been released to see how music can destroy what mm. could have otherwise been a good film. With this, it just right. elevates it. Pedestal, like, it puts it so much higher. And I think, again, as I say, I, for me, the story was a bit meh. I, I've definitely been on bigger journeys with other Disney films, but God damn, that soundtrack carried me through it and made it a... <laughs> thoroughly enjoyable movie for me i i am trying to learn i'm trying to learn the words of we know the way before it turns into the english lyrics so i can i love the soundtrack i think it's amazing and i often play it a lot of times uh so much so that i played it on uh a date that i went on and (laughs) and when i put mana on i started singing it definitely went downhill from there anyway (laughs) uh I, I can do the whole rap bit from your welcome, by the way. I'm oh, not go on, going then. to. Come on. Yo, you, you can't say that and not do it. Come on. I'm not no, I'm not making the <laughs> listeners sit through that. Okay, if anyone if any of our listeners want to see Drew rapping the your welcomes on, then please tweet us when you hear this episode. Please. Just we'll put hashtag make Drew rap. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. If if we get 
five tweets from people that aren't hosts of this podcast with the hashtag <laughs> make drew rap then i then i will upload a video to my twitter of me doing it yeah come on people um, come on people you heard yeah okay so let's talk about our favorite moments and then we'll do sort of like uh summing up of what we thought i'll go first and i'll talk about some of the lovely moments is the like you talked about it when moana's a little baby and, or a child and she walks over and she's protecting that little uh turtle and the music to that bit where she sees the the water come up and then it plays yeah. with her and stuff that is beautiful i love the moment between her and the grandma i think that's beautiful again um and 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 I love the end bit where she stands up to to Car um, and 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 just and she sings that beautiful bit at the end, which is again really beautiful. Those are my sort of standard, and obviously the rock. The rock's just amazing in it. Yeah, mm. yeah. But I just love that. It's just yeah. Uh, Drew, what did you? What are some of the standout moments? Ah, uh, all right. If I had to choose one moment of this film above all others it would be the reprise of how far i'll go when she stands up and belts i am moana and then dives into the ocean yeah. like i have i literally have goosebumps just yeah. describing that moment i can't even hear the music <laughs> but that only only just edges out just so so much of this film it's it's just it's so wholesome it's so lovely the moment when her grandmother says when she feels like she's failed and her grandmother's like i should never have put this pressure on you and it's okay and if you want to go home i support you like rather than the movie being like no it's, it's your, your destiny, destiny. you have yeah, to do this yeah. like there is just so so much about this movie it's not perfect but there's uh, it, it i it's it's a lovely lovely wonderful film and i love a great deal of this film i mean that was kind of i think drew was kind of doing his summing up and then i was should we just yeah, go sorry. straight to the points we should just go yeah. straight to the points let's sorry. go straight to the point that's all right we'll lead into drew good drew what do you give it out of five i would give it 4.75 nice amazing Lin-Manuel Miranda songs out of five nice um it's I there are just a couple of tiny things like the like the uncommented upon magic that just randomly shows it like the water being magic for no no particular reason and and when she plays the drums in the cave and then the torch is light and so it is kind of explicitly in universe playing that drum is magic and it's then never commented on again but the film moves at such a pace and it's so charming and so lovely and so gorgeous to look at and listen to that it's it it's not quite there for me but it is right 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 up there yeah okay matt Give us a good moment and then what your scores are. Um, I think, yeah, you've touched on a lot. I really enjoy the whole uh, <laughs> giant crab interlude. <laughs> oh my God, we, we didn't yeah. even yeah, talk about Jermaine Clement as a giant crab. Yeah. may turn up in my sequel. Um, but <laughs> that, uh, that character, I don't even know his name. But I enjoyed that. Tamatoa. Um, that's 
still don't know his name, even though you just said it. I was talking. Um, either way, uh, also Maui's Maui does go on a bit of a journey, and his uh, tattoos, his talking interactive tattoos, uh, guiding him through. I think that's nice, and seeing him kind of have his redemption arc at the end, and really kind of show where he what what who he was you know that's that's nice it's a great film that you know it's not the most exciting story for me i must admit perhaps that is just uh, an ignorance on my part from polynesian mythology but a great film i'm gonna give it looking how i've scored other films i'm gonna stick with what i said last week and i'm gonna go with 3.75 again i can't Very quite nice. score it as high as drew but i did really enjoy the movie Okay, you heard it here, folks. Uh, Matt is now leaving the podcast. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's, he's muting you, Matt. <laughs> yeah, and that's the last we'll see of Matt. So <laughs> goodbye, Matt. <laughs> um, uh, Andy, what can I say? You can say fuck <laughs> off then. <laughs> You're um, average. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what more can I say? Yeah, beautiful movie. A couple of things wrong. Um, Music's great. I love, yeah, it just shines a light on a whole new world. Um, I love the, I love the I am a one a bit. I hope there's a bit in my life where I, you know, have a triumphant moment and I can just scream, I am Andy. Um, it'll probably be in like a co-op or something, so it won't be that eventful. <laughs> what what, uh, what triumphant moment? I don't know. Are you that's the thing, though. I am Iron Brew. Yeah, I am. I I've got to wait till a big moment happens, or maybe I'll, I'll, I'll miss it. I think I'm going to miss it, so I have to do it in a co-op. I've got like extra change. I'm like, yes, I can afford the bus. I am Andy. Um, I'm going to give it four uh, magical magical pectoral tattoos because I think um, without trying to say. Anything the others have said, uh, any any time the magical pectoral tattoo was on screen, I loved it. I think he was was well funny. Okay, well I'm gonna give it. Uh, I love this movie. It's one of my favorite movies. Um, so you're probably gonna you're gonna expect me to give it five. Um, you're gonna give it six. Uh, five Polynesian boys dancing weirdly in oh, front of creepy, Moana. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a split second, but I was just remember it. It's yeah. like it's a bit weird. Is he like trying to come Michael, onto Michael her? Michael Jackson like, dancing uh, as well. I think in there. He's weird. probably the so love story good. from the early draft. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was yeah. So I'm going to so give it funny. five. It is definitely a recommendation for me. So that brings our scores to Drew. What are the scores, Drew? Uh, it comes in it, like comes in at 4.38 um so it is fourth in our ranking of out of 20 movies it comes in at fourth which is still pretty damn good yeah it's good they were near inside out though no what's inside Ah, out I will fight one day. Is this 3.75 just tactical? No, no, no. It's not. Honestly, it's not my favourite movie. I have enjoyed other Disney movies Mm. a lot more. This is the glorious thing about movies. Yeah. But some people like them, some people hate them, but they all bring us together and we all talk about them. So, yeah, yeah and, they, and they reveal who on this podcast does or doesn't have a, a soul equipped to process joy, Matt. Yeah, Matt. <laughs> yeah, Matt. Yeah, you're right. Matt. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I, anyway. That was mean. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> 
So there you have it, a very strong recommendation. Fourth in our uh, rankings of movies. It is definitely a go-watcher thing. (laughs) So now we've spoken about uh, what we thought of the movie. It's time to get your sequel pitched. So as ever, you guys have wrote three pitches uh, for me to decide who is going to be crowned the sequel pitch winner this week. Um, I will pick the best. I will ask you some questions before that. Um, So without further ado, I'm going to start with just in the order of how I read them. Let's go with Andy. Andy, you are first. Give me the title of your movie. My title is Moana 2, Fight for the Island. Oh. Your time, which isn't actually time at all, starts now. Okay, so we open on the island and we have a big song about how life is great when you don't ask for any more than you need. Uh, At the end of the big song, someone runs in screaming, my daughter has been taken. Uh, There's an island meeting where uh, Moana is leading the discussion on what's happened. A girl, one of of Moana's friends, Cece, has gone missing. The villagers break out into a ramble and Moana tries to calm them down but fails to gain their confidence and proves she's a bad leader. She leaves and looks for clues where the girl was taken, leading her to a cave where she comes face to face with a land-dwelling octopus who has uh, has, uh, Cece trapped. She tries to help but is eventually caught by one of the legs. Uh, she screams Maui, who suddenly swoops in as a hawk and attacks the octopus, killing it and saving Moana before she hits the ground. Moana, Maui and Cece return to the village where Maui is celebrated as a hero and Moana is forgotten. We have a Maui, so- a Maui song, something like I'm back and I'm better than ever, uh, and a party is thrown to celebrate, uh, celebrate Maui. Over the next few days, they're catching less and less fish and Moana can't deal with the pressure and loses more of the people's trust. Uh, one day, the fishing boat, uh, sorry, one day a fishing boat is attacked by a, de- a shark-like devil fish. It turns out this sh- a devil fish has been eating all the island's fish, and Moana sees no other option, so she calls Moana, uh, sorry, she calls Maui, who swoops down and defeats the devil shark. The people ask Maui if he would be their new leader, and he accepts, and we have a sad Moana song. When, uh, when the fisherman tries to go out again, they realise there's no wind, and Maui says it's been stolen from the cave of the wind god Fa'atitu. Maui has to travel to the other side of the island to investigate, but he needs someone who knows the island better than him, so he takes Moana as a guide. On the way, Moana and Maui fight, as Moana says he took her title, but Maui says she's a nice person but not a leader, obviously loving the attention from everyone. Moana says, how can Maui be a leader when he doesn't listen to anyone else? The whole, uh, on the whole, their whole way to the cave, they, it's very back and forthy. One night when Maui is asleep, Moana is by the water when she sees the spit of her grandma and asks, uh, sorry, and hears her voice say something like, to be a leader, you just have to believe, which pumps Moana up. And we have a big power bar- uh, power, uh, and we have a big power ballad, maybe a different take on Maui's I'm Back song. Uh, when they get to the cave, they find out there's, uh, the island's wind has been stolen by a group of giant humanoids with heads of dogs who attack and hold off Moana and Maui. A few, human- a few humanoids run, leaving one to fight. Maui tries to win uh, with muscle and his magic fish hook, but nothing seems to work. Moana thinks of something which temporar- temporarily disables the humanoid, and Maui can then defeat it. Basically, I want to prove that he needs to listen to, Mo- uh, to Moana and use something other than his muscle- muscles and his fish hook, his brain. He runs after the humanoids as Moana sees the humanoids release a pack of devil dogs that are heading to the village. Uh, she can either get back to the village in time by the power of movie magic or the spirit of her grandma can take her back, but I don't want to le- rely on her grandma to be like a MacGuffin or anything. 
Uh, we see Moana start to tell everyone about the Devil Dogs, but everyone wants to know where Maui is, and we cut to Maui seeing the humanoids who want to drop a magic stone into a volcano, a volcano that will destroy the island. He fights them using his brain and brawn. Moana tries to tell everyone to get ready to fight, but, she, uh, but hasn't got the confidence of the village until her friend Cece gets up and starts helping, which encourages another and another, and she, soon she's leading the people. Uh, we have a big fight scene cutting back and forth where Moana gets more confident with every, every decision she makes and the villagers taking down the devil dogs. And we have a typical scene where it looks like Maui sacrifices himself for the island, killing the humanoids. Moana sees a big explosion or a fireball and looks worried, but then we see a hawk flying towards them and drops down to reveal Maui. The villagers celebrate and then we can, ha uh, we can either have the villagers ask Maui if Moana can be their chief again, uh, showing they're behind her now. Uh, and Maui accepting, or we can have Maui relinquish the title to show he's changed and humble, and the villagers all cheering. And we end on a big happy song where Moana is recrowned and Maui flies away. Ah, very oh, nice. Oh. Very nice. I have a few questions. Uh, the first question is, now, this is my own opinion. When I read it, I feel that Moana doesn't, isn't as strong as she was at the end of the movie, in the first one because she literally faced down to car um without any fear i feel that she, uh can you tell me can you tell me why that is um or can you tell me if that's something that you have picked up on when you wrote it that she's not as strong or was that intentional or or am i just you know, am I just thinking this or what? Just I tell me. Just talk to me. I think you're thinking this. What <laughs> I wanted to show is in the first film, she has a couple of chances to be like chief and lead. And she does. But it's kind of like, oh, we're plant, you know, the trees over there rather than there. Yeah. Um, so I just wanted her to have a, a leadership, you know, gaining a leadership role movie. Um, so she hasn't lost any bravery or anything like that. It's just she's now actually under pressure from the whole tribe okay cool 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 uh what is maui's journey in this movie uh he is uh, becoming less uh or more humble less about himself and stuff yeah um do you feel that at the point of the first movie he was quite humble already and that he'd already um you know sacrificed you know he already like kind of learned a little bit and like he, he felt like he was almost a sort of a learned character as well from the I, end of the first movie I, I didn't get that i i don't know i mean he got his magical fish hook in the end and i didn't know yeah. if he like deserved that to be honest um but um no i, I don't think he i don't think he was humbled that much in the first movie um, no. One of my one of my big problems with the first movie is like when he he comes back uh, to save Moana, but I I didn't feel like the bond was strong enough between them. Like they didn't have a they didn't share like a a, a line or a, a, a phrase that kind of means oh, I've always got your back or something. It's just like no, I, I yeah basically I don't I didn't think he was humbled in the first movie. That's the long the short answer to a long no short no. answer to a long answer. Okay. Uh, next question: The giant humanoids with dog heads mm -hmm. uh, are they part of Polynesian mythology, or did you make them up? Who are they? They Please are all elaborate. the land-dwelling octopus, the uh, shark, devil, fish thing, and uh, the humanoids are all from Polynesian 
uh, legends. Yeah, like, cool. Yeah. Uh, they're so all, they're they... all monsters that will that Maui took down. Okay, that's cool. That's good to know. I just wanted to double check. Uh, okay, the finale of the film uh, feels a bit disjointed in the terms of there are two separate fights going on. Uh, can you explain why you chose that over having them both together, as in like Maui and Moana both together, rather than two separate things going on? Can you explain why you chose I needed, that? Uh, I needed them separate to both kind of learn. Like Maui needs to learn to listen to Moana and then go at like, be, do do something solo and and uh, and kill the people when Moana needed a a reason to be a leader, so she kind of like just a good way of keeping the two fights separate. Basically, they they both had things to accomplish. So. Okay, and last question: What happened to Moana's parents? I purposely left that a big a bit ambiguous because I can't decide if it would be easier or. Um, if we would play more on Moana's uh, like psyche, if her parents were dead and she's now like she now she's got no safety net, no one to turn to really, yeah. um, or if they're in the background, like a physical presence looking over her shoulder, basically the whole movie. Um, I couldn't decide, so they don't really have a, anything to do in the movie, so that's why I didn't really decide. I can leave it up to you know whichever one you prefer. Um, yeah. I couldn't decide if if the physical looking over the shoulder or the the metaphorical dead presence over the shoulder was was more impactful. Okay, well, thank you, thank you, Andy. I uh, if you could just go wait out in the waiting room, that'd be great. Oh, thank uh, you. <laughs> um, let's go for Matt next. Matt, what is the title of your sequel? Okay, the title of my sequel is Moana Two. The curse of the Kakamura, like curse with a K. Yeah. <coughs> cool. Just making that clear. Please go ahead. Your time starts now. Motonui is balanced. Moana's adventures have saved her people and she has returned to take the mantle as chief of the tribe. With Tafiti's heart restored, the world is also bustling with life. But there's a slight problem here. Previously dormant and thought to be extinct creatures are returning to these islands. Motonui is no different. The island's coconuts are seeming to be changing. At first they're just larger in size, which leads to a new festival, the Mali Day. Everyone has the best time. This is the first awesome song dance routine that you asked for, Ross. Um, the night after the Mali Day, however, uh, the village is ransacked. And the ancient tokens of the tribe are all stolen, in turn, including uh, Grammy's necklace. Basically, the Kakamura keep getting bigger and bigger and seem to be becoming more aggressive. Like, aggressive in the sense that like, they're not actually attacking the village anymore, but they're becoming more and more territorial. The island is shaking from time to time and cracks appear to be forming and there's no known reason as well. That's something else to note. Um, there's a really emotional song about what could be perhaps be like the end of the tribe. Uh, it's a tearjerker, it's a power ballad. Uh, Moana probably sings it. Maui arrives to help, of course. The island's breaking <laughs> apart and it appears that there's a... And it kind of turns out that it's this huge Kakamura who got caught in a, in a crack in the land and has been absorbing the power of Tafiti. Uh, Maui remembers and uh, remembers like an abandoned island where the Kakamura could actually go over to make home. But getting them there um, is going to be really difficult. It's going to be no mean feat. 
There's a group of elders that have formed who say that the tribe should actually leave. Um, this is the Kakamura elders, as they don't care for the land. But in the end, with Moana's love, uh, they understand the nature of why this land and it's really important to them and their ancestors. Um, there's probably like a reprise of the power ballad. Uh, it's probably sung. It's you know, it's probably going to be the song that is in the charts. I think. Uh, you know, similar to <laughs> similar to the other big belters. Um, the Kakamura, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, the the Kakamura are moved by this, and they agree to move their, to the new home, Kakaland, let's call it. Uh, but they need the help <laughs> of the tribe. They need a, a ship bigger than ever before, a ship bigger than we've ever seen before, uh, and a way of getting Kaka Papa, which is uh, you know the shit huge bigger than we've ever seen before. Yeah. Uh, in Kakaland. In this movie. All right, not bigger than anything. Shit. Le- Shit. Hey, hey, I'm pitching you gotta- here. Don't start interjecting, you little I'm so pitches. sorry. I'm so sorry. Um, anyway, <laughs> so they need a ship bigger than has ever been seen on Motunui before um, to move the Kaka Papa, which is what they call the huge <laughs> Kakamura that's grown out the crack of the land. Maui steps in and helps by visiting the great crab and making the deal with it. Uh, he gives the crab the anchor. But the crab has to help to, uh, you know, essentially be the engine to move this huge ship. Uh, There's this really cool, awesome duet song dance routine with the crab and Maui. Uh, The crab agrees to help. They they get Kakapapa on this boat that's been built. Uh, A chunk (laughs) of the island breaks off in the process uh, and kind of settles between Motunui and Kakaland. Um, And they're just like, ooh, that could be interesting later. Um, There is, of course, one more danger, however, that we haven't addressed yet. And that's the wild Kakamura that we saw in the first movie that are living on these ships. Uh, They've got a wind of the Kakapapa and see him as a god. And they want him for themselves to be their god. Uh, With a dangerous journey, getting the Kakapapa to the new island. And a big battle between the warring Kakamura tribes. Uh, The travellers... you know, they are the ones that are leaving Motunui. They're supported by Moana and the Motunui tribe. Um, well, that island tribe, Maui, the giant crab, everybody. Uh, eventually, the pirates disperse. And finally, Kakapapa and the Kakamura make it home. The giant crab actually gives Maui back his hook, citing that, you know, he's bling enough without a crummy hook as an accessory. Well, they smile, and like, obviously it's because he respects what he did. Um, the movie ends with the second Mali Day. But this time, there's not a coconut in sight for the feast. Uh, instead, there's a huge party on this new middle island that's formed, where the Kakamura and the tribe there, uh, you know, the island tribe with Moana as the chief, they're all together celebrating and worshipping Tafiti in life and newfound friendship. Uh, this is like the big party at the end of every Disney animation film that you see. You know, uh, we've seen them with Shrek and Madagascar and everything, where everyone basically just sings and they do some reprising of songs. It's going to be an awesome track. This will be a banger where everyone basically wants to dance to it. Uh, there's four huge songs in this movie. It's Mali Day is the first one. That's the party. Fragile Home is the power ballad. Uh, I Want Crabs is the duet between uh, Maui and the Giant Crab. And it's Maladay's remix, which is the much cooler one. Uh, and a big name artist, probably Bruno Mars, who plays one of the characters in the movie. Wow. That, uh, I mean, 
that was good thank you matt uh it was interesting to see every time that it was like a school kid uh, drew was every time you mentioned caca he literally <laughs> I, couldn't hold it together it just, it just got in my head i don't know why just oh man Shinsuke I, I Kakamura. Right, so at uh, least we've got an excuse now why no one listened to me as usual too busy oh now. shush <laughs> your face i did i definitely did and i've got some questions for excellent you. fire away um so, first thing is, why did you pick the Kekamoras as the basis for your story? Because I was a bit nervous about researching too much into Polynesian mythology and trying to pick out a, uh, a new adversary to bring in. I really enjoyed them in the first film. They're kind of fun and just thought they could be an ideal antagonist for a sequel you know using that tribe um well not necessarily an antagonist in some way certainly the pirates in the first film but there's room to explore that and you know the fact that they're coconuts it i just thought it was quite a fun thing to delve more into uh cool why is the island breaking apart um i i guess there's probably some damage left from uh, before Tafiti got her heart back. I haven't necessarily worked out why the island was breaking apart, but I certainly think you can argue that these are some of the scars from uh, the the tribes not having the heart from Tafiti missing. And just the fact that I imagine just this little coconut dropping into a tiny crack in the land. And then when Tafiti was brought back to life, this bursting beautiful green uh glow that hit the coconut and just saw it starting to expand from there you know going back and doing a bit of a you know kind of um flashbacking and whatnot and showing how this uh coconut became a kakamore and then got stuck and just by growing because it's feeding off this direct energy of tafiti okay What's the journey that Maui and Moana go on in this journey emotionally? Um, the journey of understanding a new, uh, you know, understanding that with life, with new life comes new challenges. Meeting a tribe where their only previous experience had been on those uh, on those boats where they were quite aggressive and attacking. Um, Moana is the chief representing her tribe in a diplomatic manner uh, not necessarily turning to violence i didn't really touch on the fact that her grammy's necklace went afterwards but you know a part of it is she has a personal struggle with them but she has to leave that at the door to handle diplomacy um, maui is not necessarily as big a character in this film i think he just continues to be that uh, guardian for the tribe and can't sit by and watch as they potentially risk losing everything. Okay. Um, and do you think there is enough meat in this story? Do you think there's enough meat? Uh, yeah. Do you think there's enough meat in this story? I mean, I, in terms of, I've, you know, brought you a pitch, uh, you know, you in the script, you can certainly add more meat to it. Um, I think ultimately it was just about making sure that I didn't go too far and write too much in terms of 
the depth because I wanted to see the journey and I felt like it needed a bit more of a kind of clash in Act 3. I was like, oh, well, if they just move him on the boat, then that's kind of boring. You know, I felt like the film was too short, hence why the wild Kakamura who get wind of this godlike Kakamura then come in again uh, to reintroduce them as adversaries. That was to add a bit more depth and a bit more of a meat in terms of, you know, uh, risk and in terms of jeopardy. There's perhaps not as much meat for some of the personal journeys, um, but I think there's plenty to be found there and there's still plenty of uh, gripping moments. Okay, and lastly, uh, so the the Kakamoras, right, mm. uh, they're on Mountainui, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, and the Kakamoras are also on Mountainui, yeah? On the, They live on the island with with the, the other guys. Uh, so Moana's like tribe Moana, are on yeah. Mountainui. Uh, the Kakamura essentially evolve out of the coconuts. So uh, the idea is uh, okay. that um, when Tafiti... Uh, exploded that blossom and you know life started uh, reappearing on these islands the kakamura used to live there but became just coconuts and then suddenly they came back to life so it's this challenge and what kind of going back to your earlier question perhaps about is there enough meat it's the fact that this is a direct consequence of what moana did bringing life back and understanding that in them wanting to feed and bringing back life, it actually brings back challenges and jeopardy because the Kakamura have every right to live there too. This was their home. They either became dormant or extinct and then have been brought back. You know, they've traveled through the evolutionary line again to come back to life because of Tafiti's power. Okay, so... The the villagers wouldn't have ever seen the Kakimuras on Molsonui then, yeah? Certainly okay, not good, the generations we're talking about now. Yeah, because okay. I was going to say, because Moana's the first time she sees them is in on, on the boat. No, they just cool. see them as coconuts. Cleared. Tasty food. Cool. Uh, that has cleared stuff up for me. Thank you, Matt. Thank you. And last but no means least... It's Drew Toynbee going to give me your title. Uh, So my title is Moana and the Falling Sky. Ah, very nice. Your time starts now. Okay, so my pitch is basically that Moana and her people have to stop the gods of earth and sky from reuniting to keep the world from being destroyed. Um, I wanted to say really quickly at the top, similarly to Matt, I was very conscious that that I like one week is not enough time to do enough research to do all of this justice fully. Yeah. Um, and so obviously the, the, the idea of the Oceanic Story Trust and all of that kind of stuff, all of this is presented with as much respect as I can possibly give it. I've not named characters because... I wouldn't know what appropriate names would be because the original film is a mishmash of so many different languages and cultures from different parts of the world. So I haven't named characters. I've taken inspiration from some stuff and I have tried to be respectful and I hope that it is and I'm really genuinely sorry if it isn't. I think <laughs> um, we, that echoes with all of us, I guess. I guess yeah, you know, all I, of us I just wanted to. Time. But yeah, thank you, Drew. Thank you. 
wanted to say that. So, yes. So, my movie starts off in an animated prologue like the first one, showing the creation myth of the marriage of Tefiti as goddess of kind of earth and growth and the god of the sky. Um, And because the earth and sky were together, the earth was dark, their children were born in darkness, and they wanted to let light into the world. So... The god, their child, the god of forests, um, pushes them apart and manifests as a giant tree. The god of storms and winds, one of their other children, is angry that his parents have been forced apart and rages trying to find a way to bring them back together and to win their approval as earth and sky yearn to be back together. Um, we then go into the opening number, How Far We've Come. Um, it's setting the stage using some motifs of how far I'll go, but adding new details of the journey that's happened over the last few years while the tribe have been voyaging around and exploring. Um, and we see Moana's relationship with her parents and they're sort of, she's trying to help them lead, but they don't necessarily give her the space that she wants to do it. And it ends, um, as they find a new island that they begin to settle on as the seas have got rougher and there's a a giant mountain covered rainforest in the center of the island. Um, Moana has like a, 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 a bit of a love interest, but she's too busy trying to be chief. And so just kind of basically ignores this dude. Um, and she's frustrated because she wants to do more and her parents are kind of always there and she feels like they're getting in the way. She's lamenting losing her freedom because she's so busy. She has a new song, Now I'm Grown. Um, about how she's accomplished so much and that she wants to step out of the shadow of her parents and she's grown up and she's feeling like she's becoming an adult um one night she spots a gigantic storm in the distance she's about to sail out um uh she's about to sail out uh to sea to kind of go and spend some time out on the sea because it's so far away but she sees the sea receding she realizes there's a tsunami coming um and sort of tries to sail out to get to the other fishermen in the lagoon to get them back to shore um she can't get to everyone but then on the front of the wave maui arrives and helps save people and sort of get people down below to safety when one is really angry she kind of blames maui thinking he must have been involved because that's kind of his history but he swears that he wasn't but she stays angry at him he explains that the island that they're on is the resting place of the god of the trees and that the storms that they were encountering them that kind of led them there were because the god of storms is coming for the god of the trees um basically from here the story involves uh moana leaving on a boat to try and talk to the god of the storms because she's done it before um and discovering that her mother has stowed away on her boat when she left um and she also realizes that she inadvertently has stolen maui's hook um because when he arrived on to, to save everyone he put it down to kind of give her a hug and left it on the boat and so Maui Moana's father and Moana's kind of loving dressed guy go on a journey up the mountain to the top to try and awaken the god of the forest and warn him and try and beg for a safe place for them all um, and Moana's gone to stop the god of storms the boys have loads of banter about the new guy not being good enough for Moana the chief not liking Maui because Moana talks about him all the time um and they're kind of overcoming the physical obstacles getting up the mountain the chief outsmarts maui maui stronger than the chief and um, there's like lands there's landslides and getting across ravines and you have a a duet which is after you and it's the it's the dad and maui kind of challenging each other to perform tasks to make the other one look bad and so that's the kind of wacky song um, Moana and her mother kind of grow their dynamic as they're kind of battling against increasingly bad storms encountering other groups who 
are kind of getting in their way trying to stop them who follow the god of storms and potentially have another song like chase the storm um from the baddies in inverted commas um as they journey they're kind of arguing because it starts to come out and it's all been bubbling underneath but moana re- reveals that she's kind of angry that her mother didn't trust her to go and do this on her own um and then eventually they're captured and moana's mother reveals that it wasn't that she didn't trust her it's that she wanted to be with her because she was too, too scared to let her go and then you have the reprise of now i'm grown with moana's mother with moana's mother changing it to now you're grown and it's all about having her saying that it's difficult to try and give up your child and watch them grow up and then they realize eventually that the storm is centered around tafiti's island um maui and the chief awaken the god of the trees they plead for safety but it's the kid who manages to get through um and kind of be really humble and get through to them the island begins to shift and creates a bit of a natural barrier but there's still a risk as the storms pick up moana and her mother escape by summoning the kakamura and causing chaos they find the other groups worshipping the gods are doing it out of fear um and so they've been kind of forced to do it. Moana and her mother can't win them round. And so they stand proud and just beg the God of Storms to stop. But the God is too angry and won't. They, they, the big battle between the God of the Trees and the God of Storms happens. Um, the God of the Trees is losing. The sky begins to fall, but then it doesn't. Um, and it's all without words like Tafiti in the last film. We see that the sky and Tafiti have seen Moana and her mother's sacrifice. They realise they can't be together um, because they because they've seen the plight of humanity they acknowledge the god of storms but the god of storms is still angry and kind of disappears into the distance and maybe if you've had a couple of human antagonists who were kind of more evil maybe they get taken out by that on the way out and the movie finally ends finally sorry that was a really long one uh, with (laughs) moana deciding that she loves her parents and she loves the new island but she needs to move out from beneath their shadow as her parents stay to be with the large colony so moana knowing they will find their way back eventually they all sing who i will be and it's a big song about the ways they imagine they will have all changed when they eventually come back together and that's the end Mm, very nice very nice i got got some questions for you Uh, who are the other people trying to antagonize them and why in terms of right at the end of the movie um i wanted to show the the one of the issues with the prior film is that it's just this one community of people yeah and i like the idea of showing that there are more people out there and so i wanted to have other people and it just felt a bit disingenuous to be like moana and her mother just bump into some people for no reason (laughs) and so having them be kind of the antagonists who are trying to stop them getting to the god of storms but then to reveal that they they're doing it because they worship this god because they're scared not just because they're evil and want the end of the world okay um but just an opportunity to show that the stakes of the end of the world because the the first movie kind of implies it's the it will be the end of the world if someone doesn't do something yeah but it still feels quite small where i wanted the stakes in this one to feel larger and so having more people exist in the world hopefully would help that okay that makes sense do you think your uh do you think you lose anything in your story without having moana and maui paired together i i think like this this may reveal one of my arguments against the other guys pitches i think that the end of the first movie they have so much respect for each other 
the the dynamic it having them be friends and have that sort of paternal relationship they do when Maui's teaching her to sail is is wholesome and lovely but the i i kind of i wanted the invented conflict between the two where moana assumes that he is responsible for this problem um because i i wanted to separate them um whereas if they if she assumed that but then they stayed together then they would just sort it out with a conversation fairly quickly yeah and and i thought like Maui as a character was the most entertaining when he was being a bit of a douchebag and so I was like right I want to put him with characters who he can be a a, a dick to yeah <laughs> for the majority of the film because that will be fun yeah okay and likewise it gave a good opportunity to have Moana and her mother connect and to give her mother more of an opportunity to be a character in the film okay did you base your story on any mythology I did. Yes, it's a it is one of the creation myths of sort of the 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 Polynesian canon. Um and so it's kind of as written that the the god of the sky and the the god of the earth were a couple and the earth was in darkness and then the god of trees all of their children tried to separate them and then the god of trees was the one who managed, managed to keep them apart. Okay. Cool. Uh, can you explain to me the character progression in your movie? You've kind of touched on it a little bit, so, um, but yeah. So just actually, let's just go with Moana and actually, let's just go Moana and Maui, like their character progression. Cool. Um, yeah. As far as Maui goes, his journey is proving that he is more than the hook, mm-hmm. um, which he he kind of did by showing bravery before, but this gets to show that he's. He, like, he probably is slightly verging on superhero strong, but also showing that he can work with more people than Moana. But that is that is the secondary story. That is more the story that's there for the set pieces and the comedy. Yeah. Um. Even though the stakes are quite high, Moana's journey is primarily exploring this relationship with her mother and that she she feels like they're smothering her and she wants to get out from underneath them and coming to accept both of them coming to accept that that is kind of the case and they're not smothering her on purpose, but it's because Moana needs to grow and doesn't need her parents anymore, even though they feel like they need her. And it's about them accepting that and coming to that realization. Cool. Uh, I did have one question, but I think you've kind of answered it. So I won't answer that. Uh, so thank you, men of Multanoe. Um, I've heard your pitches, but now it's time for you to prove to me why I should pick yours over everyone else's. So let's start because Drew wanted to say something a minute ago, uh, about, uh, you guys. Uh, let's start with Drew. Why should I pick yours? Um, so I, I feel like, again, I don't like to start by detracting from the others, but I, I feel like you should pick mine because both of these guys, I know, like Maui is just there and kind of hanging around where I took it from the end of the previous film that he, he's like, he appreciates Moana and he might show up to check in occasionally, but he's a demigod and is going to have his own stuff to do. Um, and so I kind I didn't like that Maui is just there without anything 
drawing him there for these guys. Mm-hmm. I also felt like the baddies on both fronts for the other two were a bit generic and the and ju- the the Kakamura were were a threat in the first movie for for Matt's and having the giant one is a is a cool idea and it would look awesome but it it's it's not there enough for me and with Andy's it just feels a bit generic i felt like Andy's has way too much fighting um compared to any of these other disney animation movies um and I, I I did struggle a little bit with how does Maui convince his mortal em- enemy Tamatoa to team up with him, aside from saying he wants to get crabs. Um, I th- but I think that ultimately mine builds from where the characters were already. It doesn't make them regress in any way, and it it's a natural progression whilst also raising the stakes and making it feel like a bigger movie. Where I feel like the other two felt like slight steps back. Go on, Matt. You flint. You. I mean, it's his opinion, isn't it? <laughs> he shook his head. Um, yeah, I think on. you know, if we're all allowed four pages of pitching, then we can talk <laughs> a lot more about how we summon Maui back. We just kind of introduce him halfway through our films because hey, of the fact one, that one and three quarters. Well, close enough. Sorry. I, I mean, I use size twelve font. Perhaps yours is smaller. Um, <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, it is. It's, it's size eleven. It, you know, I think that's for me. Yet. Yeah, Maui isn't a, like he turns up because the island is falling apart, and you know Moana has had this tragic outpouring. He's not just there chilling on the beach getting a tan. Like he, you know, if you want him to be summoned, then he should absolutely be summoned. Um, he is the guardian of the tribe, so he's there kind of looking over, and that's why he comes to help. That's fair. Um, yeah, I think I, I perhaps was definitely the most cautious in terms of uh, adversaries and bringing anyone in. But the Kakamura were there. They were a fun aspect of the first movie. Adding them to a lot more. I'm glad that you saw, like, I don't know, in my head, it's just this really slow-moving Kakamura giant thing. And it just makes me laugh. And it can be in there, and it can be more of a yeah. threat to the tribe. You know, it doesn't have to stay stuck in the crack. Perhaps there are other things we can do with it. That's just what I wrote in. Um, for me, I do second. I love that Andy did put so much effort into his research. Kudos to him. I didn't have the balls to do that. But there is so much death, not just fighting. There's so much death in this film. Like You're constantly killing things off, and it's fine, but it is a family film. Um, I must also say with Andy's, I feel like we talked about it earlier, Moana being such a strong female protagonist, that gets completely trampled on in his sequel because Maui becomes the most powerful one. And yes, you can argue he's the demigod, but there's no real signs, at least for a long part. I see Andy wants to make this, um, you know, having moles and having journeys and learning experiences for both of them. I respect that. I just feel like it's done in the wrong way and kind of just takes away from the spirit of the first film. With Drew, I just think it's way too complicated. Like, I, I like, again, that there's the elements of it with the gods and the research has been done. Respect, I can't argue with that. But I would think, f- for an adult, I was struggling to kind of keep up with it in the pitch. For kids, that could just be like, <laughs> you know, that's suddenly introducing a lot. Um, and yeah, I just feel like the, there's some unresolved parts with the conflict with Maui and Moana. 
Um, you know, the, the ending was understandably, you know, you'd nailed the pitch by that point, but there was, I don't feel like there was any kind of resolution for any of the characters after actually hearing how the Sky and Earth decided to not fall in love. I feel like there were some good resolutions for mine and some good messages and morals throughout it as well, whilst keeping it very lighthearted and happy and, you know, yeah, okay, so the giant crab and Maui make friends, but perhaps it's just a courteous respect thing that he gives him his anchor back. Perhaps they don't need to be mates at the end. Andy, you've been quiet. Um, you've been saving all your points Saving up. all Come my on. energy for the back. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, the other two have kind of done well of, at pointing in the other ones. Um, kind of, um, I don't want to say bad bits, but um, like flaws. With, with flaws. Yeah, with, with Drew, um, I kind of agree with Matt. It's a bit complicated and I wouldn't, I don't know if I can say it's like a Moana movie, like Moana focus. We definitely lose the pairing with her and... Maui, uh, Maui, that we, you know, we all loved in the first one, and that's what we would come back for in the second one would be those that that pairing again. Um, yeah, and then other little things I think with Drew's like would Maui, 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 bloody hell, really, um, like his fish hook. I know you said you wanted to kind of like uh, have Maui leave his fish hook behind, but at one point he leaves his fish hook behind or something, and I was a bit like, would he really after trying to get it after the first movie being so much about getting the fish hook? Um, Oh yeah, and the father. I, I, I like the idea of the father and Mary having a res- having a, a song about trying to one up each other. But wouldn't the father respect Mary like en- enough to not do that? I don't know. Mate. I don't know. Like Moana was pretty not respectful of him. Mm. Uh, yeah, well, Matt. The um, yeah, it's, it's good that you said. I guess the, the Mary, uh, Mary and the crab aren't friends. They're respectful because yeah, I don't think if you pull off a leg, you can just suddenly become friends no matter what. <laughs> Um, but yeah, Ross, I think you brought up, you just said like the protagonist journey and the meat of the actual pitch is just a bit light. And the enemy, yeah, Kakamura, I mean, the, didn't, didn't Moana go on the ship and like def- kick a few of them away? So I don't see it as much a, much as a threat. Uh, well, yeah, mine has has a lot. Oh, yeah, Mary Wet Legends. Yeah, there may be deaths, but there's no human deaths and stuff. So it should be fine for kids. Um, Mary and... Moana have their own personal journeys that they both go on. They learn things by the end. We get that connection from the first film. Um, just making the guy um, the coolest again, and it—that's your problem. No, Andy. but no, you because the whole, the whole point Maui is the that, no, but that's the whole guy. point. Is is you you, the, the, you want Maui to appear cool, and that's why Moana's story is becoming a leader and ultimately taking her crown back. Like. The, the tribe want Maui as their leader because they're like, well, Moana basically can't do anything and that's the impression I want to give. And that's Moana's fight. That's her struggle, is going, no, I am better than this demigod in my own way. Yeah, I, I point out as well, all, all my songs, like Matt's, will be in the charts as well. I'm sure my album will be... <laughs> stuff, so, uh... Mine won't be because they'll be too cool. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I've heard enough. I'm massive props to you guys for thinking of songs and and the names of the songs. That was awesome. Um, Andy, I like yours because you bring up an interesting sequel idea, uh, uh, and that's the struggles of being a leader, that she's got this leadership, um, and I like that sequel idea. Uh, however, I feel that the the characters haven't really progressed much since the first movie. Uh, that's something that came out to me when I was reading it. But I do like the idea of 
of the struggles of being a leader. Uh, Matt, I like yours because you use some of the existing uh, uh, like world's creatures. Uh, the Kakamora, I really like that I, and expanded on them. Uh, however, for me, I didn't know. I don't know if there's an, enough meat in the story and development of the characters. Uh, that's just something that stood out to me. Uh, and Drew, I like yours as you as you used actual mythology to base your story around. However, it feels a little bit like they're on two separate journeys in this movie, um, both Maui and um, Moana, um, and they're going on two different adventures. That could be a good thing. That could be a bad thing. I don't know. Um, that's just something that I picked up. So, but there can only be one winner, and this week. The sequel pitch winner of episode 20, Moana, is Drew Toynbee. Oh, no. Hey. Right. Ooh, let's confuse all the kids out there. I like the idea of using the mythology. I've got my there is a, like, like Matt, I know you did. Matt did, I agree with Matt in terms of there is a lot of confusing stuff going on, so you're, it would have it's to really be... It's not really a Moana sequel, even. Uh, <laughs> gods, it's, it's about the gods. It. Yeah, she's, she's in it. The she's in the background, isn't she? She's like fifth bill behind the god of all the others. <laughs> no, it's... No, her story... Yeah, what? Well, yeah, fine. I've won already. I don't, I don't, have, I don't have to I justify myself to you. I love that still can never let this go anymore. His thing yeah. has become like, I, I don't care that the host has decided the winner. I'm still going to argue each week. Drew, what are we going to be doing next week? Uh, next week, we are going to be having a bit of a challenge. We've not really done drama before. Um, and so, going to just chuck it straight out there and say, pitch me your sequels to the most recent version of A Star Is Born. Oh, fuck. No. Oh, <laughs> an interesting, an interesting pick there, Drew. Yeah, it's I, I like, I fully accept this. This is as I'm, I think we've all probably seen the movie. Um, uh, uh, might be quite difficult. Um, <laughs> we welcome but, it. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's an opportunity yeah. to challenge ourselves and grow, or to challenge yourselves because I don't have to come up with one. So I've got the easy job this if week. Anyone, so. If anyone hasn't seen a Star Wars born, expect a hilarious episode next week. It's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm going to flex so, all over you fuckers with my simple piece. <laughs> <laughs> our, our sequels have been pitched, uh, and now it's time to say goodbye. But just before we go, we wanted to give a quick shout out to the With Nothing to Say podcast. It's a pod for proper xenophiles. 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 Not xenomorphs. Xenophiles. Xenophiles. Uh, and Austin and Andrew always have some great insights. So please check them out. They they gave us a little bit of hot water in the last one. They said we're, they're, we're, they're better than us. So we're going to say we're obviously better than us. Them. Them. We're better than us as well. We're better than us. We're better than them. We're better than everyone. <laughs> They break yeah. down. They are. They are they, great. They guys. just do deep dives onto different films every week, every episode. It's it's good stuff. So everyone, thank you for listening to this week's episode. If you want to catch us on all the socials, you can Twitter, Instagram. Tell us your ideas for your Moana sequels. Don't forget really about tweeting. Let's get Drew to rap as well. Yeah. Don't make Hashtag Drew rap. Make Drew rap. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. I could have. I thought I should have thought of a better hashtag than that. But anyway, say goodbye, everyone. I'm not going to go individually. Bye. 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 <laughs> You're welcome.